So I was talking to a colleague the other day at our firm. He's got like more than 15 years of experience consulting with C-suite executives at Fortune 500 companies. He's got tons of experience and he's building this list of the three most important qualities in successful leaders. And what he put at number one kind of surprised me. I want to see what you think about it. Welcome in. This is episode 36. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. This podcast is for those who've made the decision to lead and to positively influence other people and are looking for ways to more effectively do that. I'm Russ Hill. I work as a consultant for a, uh, a global firm that works with organizations around the world, primarily on helping them manage their culture. A lot of times it's mergers and acquisitions. You're talking about thousands of employees, not all the time. But a lot of our, our bigger projects are like that, multi-year engagements where we're going in and they're buying other companies and have aggressive goals. And so we help those leaders um, accomplish those goals, the, deliver the results they're looking to deliver, mainly through being very intentional on how to manage their culture. When I And when I say manage culture, I want you to think of like Chick-fil-A and Amazon and Apple and Ritz-Carlton. And you could go on and on about different companies where they have a very specific customer experience and employees, it's consistent uh, uh, throughout locations of the way their employees think and act. And so that's what we do. Well, and this podcast, if you, this is the first time you've ever listened, this podcast is a hobby of mine. I share observations, thoughts, ideas, trends that I'm seeing as I travel the world working with leaders across all different industries. And if you haven't done so already, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. And please, everybody, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I am doing a ton of content on LinkedIn throughout the week, right? In fact, I just published my latest article today, very personal story that I've never shared publicly um, about trying to change the belief of someone when they hold a belief or they've defined you in a way that's just not accurate. Have you ever had that happen when you're like somebody, they define you as such and such. This is the way you are. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait, that, that's how you view me? And this can be personal, like a family member or a friend and, uh, or a spouse, or it could be at work. And so uh, I, I shared two experiences, really one that's very, very personal and has been really painful um, to me and my family. Uh, I shared that on LinkedIn, and so I'm putting out videos and uh, articles and different things. So if you haven't connected with me yet, just search for Russ Hill at uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, and you'll find me. And I'd I'd love for you to connect with me there. Okay, let's get into the uh, the topic of this week's show. So I mentioned at the beginning, I've got this colleague who is building a list of like the three top qualities, most important qualities in a successful leader. And this is not someone just randomly making it. This buddy of mine, this friend of mine, he's spent a lot of years working with leaders of some of the largest corporations in the world. If I mention the names of some of the organizations he and I work together consulting, you'd, you'd know them, their household, their household names. And, uh, and so one of the things I love about what he does and I do for a living is you, you're like in this leadership lab all the time. You're in boardrooms or 
or ballrooms or on the phone with these leaders in these different industries that are trying to solve problems and you you work with the greatest most the smartest most successful leaders and you work with like losers sorry it's true like people are like wow how'd you get that job who do you know and how do they not like hold you accountable for who you are as a human being sometimes or the the way you lead so we're in this lab and so we're observing and, and it's one of the things I love about what I do for a living is how much you learn from observing these leaders and working with them, coaching them and seeing what works. So uh, so this colleague of mine's building this list and number one on his list of the most important qualities in successful leaders is, what would you guess? What would you think is number one on his list? A trait like a characteristic, a, a, a trait of someone who's a successful leader. What would, you, what would you guess he put as number one? It surprised me. And what it was, was humility. Humility. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, for me, it's probably vision. Like being able to see. And, and, and yet... I kind of battle with myself over that because a manager doesn't need a lot of vision. I just need you to execute. I need you to be a micro leader, if you will, rather than a macro leader, not like micromanaging people, but I need you to make sure these widgets come off of the assembly line. I need you to make sure that these people show up at this time and they work hard and they leave at that time. And I need, I, I just need you doing the routine things. I don't need a lot of vision from you. Although if you develop those skills, you're going to have more growth opportunities here at my company, right? So managers don't really need a lot of vision. Great leaders do. So anyway, I'm, you're, I'm thinking out loud here. Th- these are the debates that take place in my mind. And so vision might be near the top of my list, if not number one. I got to think more about it. But the top of his list was humility. And, and that was kind of weird. So I'm wondering what you think about that. Like when you hear that humility, you think that's right? So when I started processing it, I thought, well, the thing I like about that The thing I like about humility is that it breeds or it leads to curiosity. And I absolutely do think that curiosity, and if you've got a better term for it, DM me on Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever, or off of RussHill.com, send me a message. And I got a ton of messages from last week's episode, so keep it coming. Um... And, and so if you think of a different word for curiosity or a different trait, I'd love to hear what you came up with. But what I love about curiosity, why I find that so valuable, well, let me just tell it this way. Let me tell you a couple of stories, examples, and see what you think about these. So the first one is, so in my line of work in interacting with leaders, you're meeting new leaders all the time. You're going into an organization that just hired our firm, or you're meeting a leader that the this client of ours for mul- many years is hired, and you're meeting them, and... So and again, think about Fortune 500 companies. Some of these are Fortune 10 companies. We work with several of the Fortune 10 companies, 10 largest as measured by revenue organizations in the United States. And and, then mostly most of those companies have a global presence. So you're meeting someone in London or Australia or Sydney or or, um, Singapore or Kansas City or wherever. Um, And you're meeting this this new leader or this leader you haven't interacted with before, what do you think that experience is typically like? Not always, but too often, it's like that leader 
is trying too hard to prove to you that they deserve their title. You know what I'm talking about? Like you've met these people, right? When you've joined a new company, it's these leaders who feel like they got to prove to you that they are really smart or capable or experienced, that they deserve to be in the position they're in or to have a, a seat at this table. And that, I mean, it's somewhat natural, but that usually rubs me the wrong way. What I'm looking for and what I find most valuable in a leader And this experience happens to me, not often enough, but it's powerful when it does, is a leader who the first time I meet them, all they do is ask me questions, whether whether I'm the consultant or whether I work in their organization or whether they're um, a neighbor or a friend or a colleague or somebody I meet at church. You know what I'm talking about? You meet that person and they're just super curious and you know this person has tons of experience. They have opinions. They might be wildly successful. They've got all these things that they could be showing off, right? But instead, they choose for their interaction with you to be around curiosity. Hey, Russ, tell me this. Hey, what about that? What do you think of this? I'm wondering about, like, they're so curious. Here's why I like that trait. For for multiple reasons. I'm going to tell you a couple stories here in a second. Um, related to this one from Amazon that I think you'll find interesting. So what the reason I like that curiosity is a curious leader knows, in my opinion, a curious leader knows that their job is to make decisions. We've talked about that in several podcast episodes, right? It's why I called this podcast decide to lead. It's why my first book is called decide to lead. It's not out yet. Hopefully it will, <laughs> it will be someday soon. But anyway, it's another topic for another podcast episode that I can't publish yet. Anyway, um, the reason I call all of this decide to lead is because um, leadership is a decision. Deciding to be a leader is a decision. And then leaders are paid. They're put in those positions because we need them to make decisions. The quality and speed of their decisions is what determines, in my view, much of their value. The quality and speed of their decisions determines a leader's value, a lot of their leadership value. So if I'm curious as a leader, that's helping me make well-informed decisions because instead of spewing my viewpoint out to everyone the first time a topic comes up, I'm curious. I've got an opinion. I can't be in this position as a leader at whatever organization I'm in. I, I can't be in this position without strong opinions. So I've got one. But what's more important than you knowing my opinion is me hearing from others. And I don't want to influence you. So I'm asking lots of questions. This is what the curious leader does. Asking lots of questions. Oh, that's interesting. And they're not weighing in too quickly. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen this quality in people. It's awesome, right? Because then you feel like, oh, they value me. They, they, they're interested in my perspective. They value my experience and my expertise or whatever. And so the curious leader, they, they know that being curious helps them make better informed, more well-informed decisions, which increases their value as a leader. The second reason curiosity is super important in a leader or valuable is because it leads to it leads to engagement, it leads to ownership, it leads to accountability. You see, when you make a decision as my leader, 
or a leader in our organization and you've involved me or someone in my department or someone that has similar experience or works in a similar area that I do, when you've involved them in the decision-making process, then I'm, I'm good. Like I know, even if I don't agree with your decision, I can get aligned with it because I know you've considered the perspective that I've got. And I really want to make sure you've heard that. And so ownership engage in low employee engagement, low engagement anywhere is just a real is just a, a byproduct of people not being heard. No one was curious when they raised their hand. They didn't call on them when they raised that issue in the hallway or the conference room table or the call. Nobody seemed to really pay attention to what they said. And so they weren't that curious about their perspective. No one else was that curious about that person's perspective. So what do they do? They become disengaged. And so employee engagement or engagement of team members is not that complicated. Having a curious leader solves so much of that. Okay. A couple of, couple of quick examples of this. So Amazon, I've, I, you all, if you've listened to like more than three episodes of this podcast, you know, I'm an Amazon groupie, lots of different reasons for that. Um, in fact, just a few episodes ago, we had a former executive of Amazon on, I encourage you, if you haven't listened to that interview, I think it's awesome. I, 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 and then we've got Jeff Bezos, a rare public conversation interview he did, which is, uh, gosh, I should have a list of these episode numbers so I can tell you. But if you just scroll back in whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast, if you scroll down the list of episodes, you'll see it. You'll see the different ones with Amazon in the title. And you, I, I, so I, I'm a big fan of Amazon because of their growth, because of how they actively and intentionally manage their culture, because of lots of different th- the acquisitions and how they're, a- they're able to do a lot of things that a lot of organizations that I interact with all the time are wanting to do, but are failing to do. So, so when I, I I'm not going to mention too much, but I can say this. So we've worked with Amazon. I've been to Amazon in Seattle numerous times. And, uh, and so when you go to Amazon, you get a badge. And if you ever, are ever in downtown Seattle, in downtown Seattle, there's not an Amazon building, right? You don't go to the Amazon campus. Downtown Seattle is the Amazon campus. Those of you who live in Seattle or have ever been there or been there recently in the last few years, you know what I'm talking about. So there are 40,000, more than 40,000 Amazon employees working in downtown Seattle, 40,000 more. That's just a small portion of the 650,000 that now work for Amazon globally, okay, at the fulfillment centers, all all the different places. So the leaders, the 40,000 work in and engineers and a lot of different people uh, they've got a lot of them in India too, but a lot of them work in downtown Seattle. And so when you go in there, you you show them, you know, like security in whatever building you're going to. They've got they've got a ton of buildings in downtown Seattle that there are no Amazon logos on or whatever. You, you wouldn't even know that that's an Amazon building, but they're spread out all over downtown Seattle. So you go into one of the buildings wherever your meeting is, and they give you a badge, and the color of your badge is significant. Well, when you are a consultant, you're a contractor in their eyes, Amazon gives you a yellow badge. Yellow badges in the Amazon culture are not good. Amazon employees have been trained that you need to be skeptical of anyone that's got a yellow badge. And now, you know, working in this line of work, 
I'm used to there being a, a, a lot of belief bias about consultants or coaches, right? Because so many are overpaid and bring so little value. And so it's actually one of the things I love about my job is you walk into a new organization or you walk into a, a, a room of people that haven't interacted with you or this firm before. And I know what they're thinking. They're thinking this is going to be the biggest waste of time. And you consultant in the back or consultants in the back from that firm, you are going to you're going to waste my time and offer like nothing today. And, uh, and so it's fun to overcome that. And and to be invited back and to whatever anyway so yellow badges in the in the Amazon culture not good and that bothers me like I get it I understand what Jeff Bezos and the senior leaders of Amazon what they were trying Amazon is so like Walmart right like you can't you can't stay at a, an expensive hotel you can't fly in anything but the lowest fare ticket. You can't buy anything without just anything like over $5 without really having to justify it. They pride themselves on a very uh, frugal is the word they'd use a responsible culture. Uh, some of the, uh, some of us would say cheap, whatever. Um, but so they, they pride themselves on not wasting money, which is good. I mean, you can't argue with Amazon's re- results and yet, so, so they've got this belief that, well, people outside the company, we don't really need to pay for their perspectives. And that it's been interesting because I, there are stories I can't get into because of non-disclosure agreements, but there've been examples of projects. We, so they still, they still will allow leaders to hire consultants. We have been in Amazon numerous times. I can't talk about the projects and different things or what's happened, but, but that I can at least acknowledge that. And so and yet there are leaders inside there who are getting value from different perspectives, and yet they're battling this internal dynamic of, okay, I don't know how much of this I can do or if I can have you in that meeting or whatever because of these beliefs that exist. And to me, that's not – I interpret that as not a curious mindset. No, we've got enough expertise internally. We're good. We've hired smart people. And you could you could argue with me on this. But but my view is it's not the sign of curiosity throughout the organization. I think it's not a good thing. Another example. So my dad, this is a personal one from growing up. <laughs> Any of you who have or have had teenagers at home can probably relate to this. So I remember very distinctly my dad, when I was a teenager, I don't remember what the conversation was about, but I remember my dad becoming so frustrated with this conversation with me, it was just a casual conversation we were having. And um, again, I can't remember what it was about. And my dad's, but I do remember him getting to like his wits in, getting like frustrated and going, okay, son, and this is the advice. This is what he told me. You may know everything I'm telling you, (laughs) but would you just pretend, would you fake like you don't know everything, like some of the things that I say to you, like per, even if you already know it, pretend like you don't act like you haven't heard it and just humor me. And he said, it's something like that. That's how, that's how I remember him saying it. And then he said, if you do that, you're going to have a lot more people in your life during the course of your life who are going to be interested in talking to you. If you don't, and you act like you know everything, no one is going to be interested in talking to you. You know, it's interesting. 
what we remember from our childhood, right? Isn't it interesting what you remember your dad or your mom or your grandparents or somebody saying? Like, you can't remember a lot if you're like me and my memory is terrible, worse than most. And yet all of us, I think, can remember that piece of advice or that conversation or whatever. And some of it's because it was a dramatic event that someone said something during a very dark or scary or happy um, or significant moment. And then there are other things we remember that there was really no significance about when they were said. We it just stuck with us. For some reason, that piece of advice or that comment just like it law, it got lodged into our brain and it's not going away. And so it's interesting to me that I remember so clearly my dad saying that. Son, pretend. <laughs> you And you can see this playing out, right? Because as teenagers, I mean, that's usually teenagers. We are pretty confident. We act like we know everything. Yeah, I know, mom. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. And you're like, oh, my gosh, for the love of Pete. No, you don't know all of this. Right. That's what we feel like saying. And um, and so my dad gave me that advice and I thought about it so often. It's like some of the best advice. And I don't even know if he really meant to frame it as significantly as he as it has been logged in my brain. But I think that's really true. And so curiosity, going back to how I started this episode, the most important qualities in a leader, I think, if you're making a list of three, five, ten, whatever those traits are, however many you want to put on the list, most important qualities in a successful leader, I think curiosity has got to be near the top because of the reasons I stated in this podcast. Just something I want you to think about. How curious are you with the people you work with, you live with, you interact with? I've got to do a better job. Like one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast episode is because it it was going to be a good reminder to me. Russ, you got to be more curious when you meet someone for the first time. When you engage with someone professionally in meetings that you attend, you know, this is me talking to myself, you got to be more curious. I've got such strong opinions. I've got expertise. I've got experience. I hopefully have some wisdom. It's part of what you're paying me for or why you've got me in the room if it's a professional engagement. And yet I need to be more, I need to be more curious because it will help me make more, more well-informed decisions and it will lead people to be It will lead people to take greater ownership and be more engaged, and it will cause people uh, to want to interact with me. So something to think about. How can you demonstrate, how can we demonstrate more curiosity? That'd be my challenge for you this week. All right, thanks for tuning in. Again, if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, do so. If you haven't subscribed, do that. And if you find value in in these podcasts, the greatest thing you could do, the most valuable thing, the most meaningful thing to me would be if you shared it, if you told somebody about it, if you made a post about it on social media, or you, you just mentioned it to somebody, that, uh, that would be meaningful to me. All right, everybody, have a great week.